Hello everyone and welcome back to a brand shiny new episode of the Back Pain Podcast. Today is an AMA or Ask Me Anything and we're taking your questions which have been submitted to us over the last few days on our Facebook, on our Instagram. So today we're covering pelvic tilts, leg length differences, massage guns, core bracing and much more. So sit back and enjoy the latest episode. Welcome to the Back Pain Podcast with Rob and Dave, the only show geared specifically to help educate you about your back pain. We talk to the experts to bust the myths, break down the science, and give you all the top tips for living pain free. So, if you're driving to work, tidy in the house, or even laid up at home in pain, we have something for everyone. So welcome back. As we said, today it is an AMA episode. And the first question we have today is from Martin, who says, can you please discuss pelvic tilt? Um, So pelvic tilt is a very common reason that people will blame from their pain. And this goes into the category of an asymmetry or a postural asymmetry. Now, asymmetries are totally normal in our bodies. Everybody has them. And that can be a pelvic tilt. It can be a leg length difference, which we'll discuss in a moment. It can be a shoulder height difference. It can be a change in posture. Now, these are all very common and normal in the population and aren't correlated with more or less back pain. Are you because you have a pelvic tilt? And most people will refer to what they call an anterior pelvic tilt here, where the pelvis is pointed forward and the back is arched slightly more or a leg length difference, you aren't more likely to have any back pain. And if you do already have back pain, correcting these structural issues or these asymmetries isn't needed to have a reduction in pain. Now, a paper recently showed that actually almost 83% of men and 73% of women actually have this anterior pelvic tilt when we're looking at them anyway. So arguably it's more common than not. Similar when we're looking at leg length differences, it's actually present in up to 60 or 70% of the population without any lower back pain anyway. Now, just to clarify, if we're talking about leg length differences, we're talking about functional leg length differences where there's no differences in the actual length of the bone, but it's the kind which is often blamed on muscles or joints being out of place or tight and then tried to be corrected by various practitioners. It is possible to have a true structural leg length difference due to anatomical differences or trauma to the leg or the pelvis, but that's not what we're referring to here. So how did this come about? Why did these, why did these asymmetries get blamed, get blamed on pain? Now, this probably stemmed about from our obsession with posture and that the narrative that any deviation from textbook normal or textbook perfect was a bad thing. Now, whilst this, there may be more optimal positions to achieve uh, to achieve certain movements, especially in sports and performance, the correlation with that and pain is very, very low. So whilst it does sound totally plausible, and that's what I used to subscribe to, you know, I used to assess posture, I used to blame posture on pain, I used to tell people that they had pain because of a certain asymmetry or difference in their position or their posture. We know that that isn't quite true now. And we know that actually the body adapts best to being outside of these neutral comfort zones. Actually sticking in this neutral or this perfect posture or this perfect zone isn't good practice. As then when our normal activities of daily living take us outside of this comfort zone, we're not prepared and we can easily exceed our capacity and we can end up with an episode or an experience of pain. Now, remember, our bodies are designed to bend and lift and twist and stretch and move beyond these zones. As we said before, think of this to any other body part. You wouldn't not move your elbow or not move your ankle. And if you didn't, if you did not move for a period of time, you'd understand that it gets a bit stiff and it's a bit tight. Spines are the same. So that's a very brief overview of pelvic tilt and anterior pelvic tilt. 
the other kind of caveat to that is I'm sure there's people listening who are saying, well, I did some exercises for my pelvic tilt and it really helped my back pain. So if exercises, so are these exercises to try and correct a pelvic tilt or a leg length difference pointless? Well, not necessarily pointless. However, trying to correct the asymmetry is. So any particular exercise may help as they'll provide some movement and some load to the lower back, which we know is what it likes and how it benefits and it helps to reduce pain. So if that helps, by all means, but it's not likely helping because it's correcting your anterior pelvic tilt. As we said earlier, we know that we can do these exercises, they can reduce pain, but actually your pelvic tilt or your posture or your asymmetry doesn't actually change or have to change for your pain to get better. So as we said, a brief overview of pelvic tilt. Let's move on to question two, massage guns, do they help? Now, this is a question we get all the time in the clinic. You know, massage guns are very popular. There's adverts for them on TV and radio and YouTube with all sorts of various brands charging a small fortune for the latest and greatest, you know, massage gun so do they help well it depends firstly what do massage guns do they are simply an inexpensive way to give yourself some soft tissue work or a bit of a massage and we know that soft tissue work like massage can help to reduce pain for some people and this is likely through changing the input from a painful area into the brain so if you like a massage and want to try it then it's not necessarily a bad idea However, the massage gun industry is full of spurious and kind of quite doubtful claims. We're definitely not going to win a Theragun sponsorship here, are we? So what don't massage guns do? Well, they don't break down muscles or scar tissue. They don't break down adhesions. They don't release muscles. They don't break up fascia or significantly increase blood flow to an area. You know, if you want to increase blood flow to an area, just move it a bit or go for a walk. That's a far more effective way of doing it. So if you want to try a massage gun, go for it. There's very little downside, as long as it's not taking the place of other movements or exercises or advice that might be more beneficial for you, and as long as it's not increasing your pain. So if it feels good, by all means, carry on. And it's also worth noting that there's very little difference between massage guns. You don't need to go and spend £500 on a massage gun. You can try a cheap one for 30 quid from Amazon. And if you like it, consider another option if necessary or upgrading. And if also, if, the, if you are using one, there is no need to make it hurt. Keep it gentle, keep it light. And you can always use a towel or a cushion to soften the impact of the gun if it's a little bit too sore. But I would argue that if it is sore when you're using it, there's, not, there's very little benefit. It's only going to make it hurt afterwards. So final question here is from Julie. And this one came in from our Facebook page. Oh, sorry, from our Instagram. Um, we actually had two questions about this. Um, and so I'm kind of going to amalgamate them into one. And it's about core bracing. So the crux of the question is, is core bracing beneficial? And this is a really good question. Now, the answer is, it depends. Does everyone need to brace their core? Definitely not. Does some people need to actively, bra actively not brace their core? Certainly. Does it occasionally help? Yes. Does sometimes telling people to brace their core make things worse? Probably. So overall, quite as clear as mud. So I think what might be helpful is to talk about when I use core bracing in the clinic or when I tell patients about core bracing. So when would I tell someone to brace? Often in the very short term after an injury, i.e. if they feel that bracing their core to do a certain movement helps reduce their pain, then I don't mind them doing that. You know, if they say, if I tense and to roll over in bed, or if I tense to pick something up off the floor, like my children... Sometimes tensing your core or bracing can help you achieve that movement with less pain. So I have no problem people doing that initially. So whilst this may be fine in the short term, it's not ideal for the long term. 
as we said earlier, movement is so important for the lower back. And that's what bracing the core ultimately stops you achieving. You know, it's limiting the movement. And we know that if a painful movement, the brain sees it, or a movement that the brain sees as a threat, it makes it painful. So avoiding that movement is a very normal thing to do. So when would I then stop someone bracing? Well, I would usually say within the first couple of days, you know, obviously exploring different movements and promoting a new range of motion is going to be vital as a part of recovery anyway. So bracing for the first couple of days will be fine as long as you're doing some other movements outside of that and you're not keeping yourself in that rigid posture all the time. But after after a couple of few days, after a week or so, once the pain has started to reduce, then I would actually encourage people to, to not brace and to start moving through their normal range of motion when they're doing particular tasks. Now, often people come to see us and they've had pain for a very, very long time. And they will be in a often a state of fear, often very tense, often very, very braced. And they will be in a, of a belief that bracing is essential and supporting their spine through bracing and tensing the core is really, really important. And often these patients have had pain for years and years and years and years. And they've walked around all day just walking, bracing their core. Every time they bend down to pick something light off the floor, bracing and tensing their core. Every time they bend, move, sit or stand, they're really holding themselves really tight and really, really rigid. And this totally isn't necessary. And there are times when movement is so, so important. So I'll give these patients permission to slouch and bend and breathe and twist without bracing. And this is often what they've been avoiding. It's often a bit of a key to unlocking some recovery and can start to facilitating an improvement. Often these patients feel they have a weak core when in fact patients with back pain will have an overactive core as they've been tensed and braced for so long. So they've been trying to strengthen when in fact they just need to relax and let these muscles calm down. So how do we get these patients to relax? Well, breathing is a good part of it. Often just lying on your back, knees bent or one knee up and one knee down, doing some really deep breathing through your tummy, arching and rounding your back, learning just to kind of lift your back off the floor and dropping it down towards the floor, you know, with a nice, with a nice relaxed spine, a nice relaxed tummy, sitting into a neutral position, then slouching and sitting up tall again, or sitting up nice and tall and then dropping your hands towards the floor when you're sat on a chair and doing some wall roll downs where you're stood with your back against the wall and just tucking your chin and rolling your spine away from the wall. These are all movements I like to do just to promote some movement. Now, I'd never advocate people pushing through pain. I don't mind you poking into it slightly, but really kind of forcing it if it's sore, I would never usually advocate for unless you're being supervised by a medical professional. So those are some of the questions that we've had recently. If you have a question you'd like us to answer on the show, please drop us an Instagram message and an email, uh, a Facebook post or a Facebook question. Don't mind at all. We will do our very best to answer any questions that we get. And if you'd like to find out more about leg length differences and perfect tilts, I put some links to some great blogs and Twitter threads from Mehmet Jem and Adam Meekins in the show notes. And if you'd like to hear more about the core, we did an entire episode on it with Greg Lehman a few months ago, which I'll also tag below in the show show notes. And um, please remember, if you are someone in pain and you want someone to help you, you can head on over to our website, thebackpainpodcast.com and see our provider map. On here, you can simply pop in your postcode and you can find high quality screened by us providers to help you manage your own back pain. But that's it from me. I've been your host, Rob Bevan. This has been The Back Pain Podcast. And I look forward to catching you on the very next episode. Over and out.